We continue our series through the book of Luke about prayer. Continuing the discussion. This is such a rich text. You know, this is our sixth time to come back to this prayer that God has given us. And I suspect we'll have a few more. This is the outline. This is the skeleton. This is the pattern. Jesus has given us this to us so that as we seek to pray, we can look at this pattern, look at how this goes, because we want our prayers to matter. We want to pray in such a way that God hears our prayers and answers them. We can pray frivolous prayers. We can, we can just pray prayers about who knows what that don't necessarily have anything to do with what God is in the business of doing in this world. Pray about everything. It's okay. But there are moments and there are times and there is a way to go about beseeching God in such a way that his ear bends to us and he hears us. When we pray according to the will of God. God is our Father. He is the one who sits in heaven. He's the one who hears our requests. And we come to him and ask that he would make us holy. That his holiness would be exemplified. That his kingdom would first reign in us. And that we would be the right ambassadors. Citizens of another country. And that we would seek his will and do it daily. It's only after this, it's only after we have prayed this, acknowledged God for who he is, and sought to glorify him, we finally get to this little phrase. And it's only once we've acknowledged that he is our father, he is in heaven, and that we are trying to live in a way that God wants us to live, and submitting to the rule of his life in our lives. This is when we finally get to where... Give us this day our daily bread. It's at this moment, having acknowledged everything else, now we finally get to where we bring an actual request for ourselves. This is not, by the way, the moment in which we kind of, you know, rub the genie, as it were, rub the lamp, you know. We've we've called God our Father and acknowledged he's in heaven. And It's not like we get to all of that and, okay, finally now we're to the place where we can ask for something. No, this just naturally flows out of the prayer. And when we get here to daily bread, by the way, we'll talk more about this as we get going, but I want to make it clear because it's important to recognize this is a figure of speech, not... We don't want to just have it be wooden, literal. Jesus is not specifically talking necessarily about ground flour that we've baked in an oven somewhere and is just sitting there. You know, wheat, rye, who knows, pumpernickel, whatever it is you make your bread out of. He's not simply referring to just bread. This is a figure of speech, daily bread. Uh, In the ancient world, another figure of speech... uh, When the Romans paid their soldiers, one of the things they paid them with was salt. Uh, It was common, and salt was a precious commodity. We kind of, you know, I don't know about you, we have salt shakers everywhere. Uh, If you have high blood pressure, you should lay off the salt, don't, you know. But we have salt. We have it in abundance down at the grocery store. You know, buy big, buy pounds of it if you want. We can get salt. But in the ancient world, salt was pretty rare. I don't know about you, I 
kind of like salt. I'm okay with things being salty. It's all right. Uh, in the ancient world, it was hard to come by. And so the Romans would actually pay their soldiers in salt. And the, the uh, Latin word for this was salarium. Now, if that sounds familiar, if you're like, you know, that almost sounds like um, salary. Aha, uh-huh. yes, that is, in fact, exactly where we get that word. You get paid your salary. That's from this word. It literally means salt money. And it, it produced the expression, let's find out whether or not you're worth your salt. That's where that comes from. The question is, are you worth what we're paying you? Are you, are you worth your wages? That's, a, that's an expression, worth your salt. I mean, it has something to do with salt, but it's, it's a broader expression, right? So when Jesus says our daily bread here, he's not simply speaking about, oh, Lord, please make sure and give us a couple of slices of bread that we're going to eat today. I don't know about you how much bread you eat, but, you know, two, three slices ought to pretty much do it on any given day. He's not talking specifically about just give us a couple of loaves of bread. This is a figure of speech. This is like when Abraham defeated the five armies and gets back to Sodom. And the king of Sodom says, you can just keep everything, to, you know, just give me the people back. And, and Abraham basically says, I wouldn't take a shoelace from you. Yeah, right. That, that, it's that kind of a thing. He's not just talking about sandals. He's not just talking about that. He's talking about the whole the, the provision here. When the prodigal son, remember the prodigal son suddenly wakes up, he's out there and the the pig draws, and he says, you know, my father's servants have bread to spare. What am I doing here? They have more than enough bread. Now, he's not speaking just of bread, right? He's talking about they have plenty to eat. They they have have plenty of provisions. I mean, what in the world am I doing sitting there looking at the the hostage or I'm feeding these pigs? This is what this expression means stands for. This is, this is our daily bread. This is our daily provision. So as we look into this passage, don't, don't just think literal slice of bread here. What we're talking about is God's provision on a daily basis for everything that we have. This passage is rich. This passage should just transform our prayer life. It's an insult to God to simply memorize these three, four verses and then proceed to repeat them back to God in an endless fashion over and over and over and over as if somehow God didn't hear it the first time we said it and the 50th time we've said it or the 100th time we've said it or the 500th time we said it as if somehow God is some kind of tyrant who needs to be, have his arm twisted in order for us to finally get anything out of him. That, that just completely violates the spirit of this prayer. Jesus is laying this out for us so that we can pray to God in a way that God finds acceptable. To simply memorize this and repeat it back to God, that this, this prayer isn't to change the mind of God. This prayer is to change us. To meditate on this prayer is to make us different people to the place where we understand the mind of God sufficiently that when we come to him in prayer, we're praying for the things God wants then our prayers get answered. God has determined in this world that he uses prayer to get things done. Pray for what God wants, and you will get what God wants. You have not because you ask not. So ask. 
After this manner, ask. And what we're asking for is what God wants in our lives. So this is anything but a selfish prayer. This is a prayer resembling the will of God. So the first word here is give. Think about this. We are coming to God asking for him to provide us with the essentials of life. Now, I don't know about you. You go to my house. Uh, you open up the freezer. If, if I'm, you know, standing on top of things, there are at least two loaves of bread in my freezer. And then one on the counter that, you know, actually gets used. I have three loaves of bread in my house. I also don't know about you, but let me tell you, between just my wife and I, three loaves of bread, that lasts us quite a while. That, 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 you know, we could go for a while on three loaves of bread. So when we come to God and we say, oh, Lord, give me my daily bread. It's tempting, you know, to kind of go, well, you know, come on. I, I got cupboards full of food. My refrigerator's full of food. My freezer's full of food. I mean, you know, uh, <clears throat> really? I mean, do I really have to pray to God and thank him for my daily bread? I mean, come on. I got more bread than I know what to do with, right? Tell you what. You know, God, I'll take care of the little stuff. I'll come to you for the big stuff. You know, when somebody gets ill or, or something happens that I, you know, that I can't fix, right? Uh, yeah, no. No. No, the fact is, although you may run down to the grocery store and think, well, you know, bread, I mean, I got aisles full of bread. Mm, really? You know, they had aisles full of toilet paper just a while ago, too. Until they didn't. The fact of the matter is that to, I mean, and the answer to this might actually be yes, by the way, so I'm not suggesting that it's not true for somebody, but how many of you, this would certainly include me, have actually grown wheat, picked it, separated out the wheat from the chaff, and then ground it and made flour and baked your own bread? How many people do that? I'm not suggesting no one does that. Obviously, praise God, someone does that. I, you, you ever try to grow a garden? You ever actually try to get out there and get something to grow? There are some people who have a green thumb. That would not be me. I have a brown thumb. I just look. It's, you know, so my. It's really hard to get stuff to grow. The fact of the matter is, at any moment, if God were so inclined, he could break the staff of bread. This is a prayer that we should pray regularly. We should not neglect this. That loaf of bread does not show up miraculously in the grocery store. Someone actually had to go out and sow the seed. Someone had to take perfectly good wheat seed, or depending on whether you have a problem with wheat or not, someone had to actually take perfectly good wheat seed, which, by the way, you can eat, you know, roast it and eat it, and put it in the ground, which, I don't know about you, if you didn't actually know how that went, that's kind of a strange thing. If I'm out, you know, with a sandwich or something and it drops on the ground, right in the dirt, three-second rule, right? Ah. Uh, No, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, if it hits the ground, it goes to the hound. Who in the world puts their food in the dirt? Uh, actually, if you're going to get more potatoes, you better put them in the dirt. If you're going to get more wheat, you better put it in the dirt. And you know what? You better pray that the rains come and that the ground is fertile and that that stuff grows. You can't make it grow. You can't force it to grow. 
You just have to let it grow. And it's the grace of God that it grows. But you know, God's pretty clear about it. When God spoke to Israel, the nation of Israel, and by the way, I'm not at all suggesting that we in America replace Israel or anything like that, and we're not under the old covenant, but it, it, it explains the principle that God is in charge of this. God says to Israel back in Genesis 23, he says this, uh, sorry, Genesis 23, Deuteronomy 28, sorry, Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 11, God says to the nation of Israel, the Lord will make you, if, if you're obedient, if you do what he says, and again, I want to be clear, this is not us, although, you know, righteousness exalts a nation, but if they are obedient, it says the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your livestock, in the fruit of your ground, within the land the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up to you, his good treasures, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you will lend money to nations and you won't borrow from any. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. Blessed will be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of your cattle. All of these things will be greatly blessed. Your basket and your kneading bowl But, but, if they disobeyed God, if they didn't do what God said, this is what God said to that nation, cursed will you be in the city and cursed will you be in the field. Cursed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. The heavens over your head will be bronze and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. Kind of like my front lawn, by the way. From heaven, dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. We think we're in charge. We're not. We're not. This was the promise that God made to Israel. The fact is, anytime God is so inclined, there's any number of things that can come along. You know, it's, it's... Maybe the rains stop. Maybe you have irrigation. You're like, well, if the rains stop, we have irrigation. Okay. Then the insects come. Like, wow, we have pesticides. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, the insects can come like, it can darken the sky. I mean, God can really send the insects. You're like, no, no, we fight that off. Okay. Well, then there's, then you finally, you know, you, you pick it and there's blight and there's mildew. Or maybe before you get around to picking it, there's wind or there's hail. There's devastating winds. It's all, all of these things can come along. Anytime God is so inclined, we could suddenly find ourselves in famine. And we think, oh, no, not us, really? Really? Exactly what was it you thought was not possible a mere three or four months ago? Wow, there's no way the government's going to come along and tell us we can't meet for church on Sunday morning. You think? The fact is that Our prayer for daily bread, we should not take our daily bread for granted. Praise God, there are people who know how to till the soil and to plant and to harvest and to provide food to feed our nation and the world. But it's all, it's from the hand of God. Don't think, oh, well, I can handle bread. No, you can't. No, we can't. 
any time God so desires, he could break the staff of bread and we could find ourselves hungry. The world is oh so concerned about the climate. Oh, the climate's changing. You know, when I was a kid, we used to call that the weather, but nonetheless. So they're all concerned about this. Um, the fact is we should be good stewards of the world. We shouldn't dirty the water and dirty the air. And uh, maybe the climate is changing some. It still remains to be answered exactly what the optimum temperature of the earth is supposed to be. Maybe another degree warmer is actually a really good thing. So, you know, I'm not sure we have the data to actually answer that question. But ultimately, it's God who's in control of the weather. And they should be fearful because when the book of Revelation rolls around, God is going to destroy a third of the world's grass. He's going to destroy a third of the world's trees. And the oceans are, in fact, going to be turned to blood. And you just read down through that, they, they, they probably ought to be concerned. God is going to destroy the environment. But, you know, for the moment, God, they're concerned about the ocean level rising. Okay. Have you actually read what God has to say? First of all, God promised Noah, you know, seed time and harvest, summer and winter until the end. He's never going to flood the world again. Don't to worry about the oceans rising and flooding the place. In fact, here's what God says to Job. Remember, Job has got questions for God, and God finally shows up, and God says, i got a few questions for you. So God asked Job this, Who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb. When I made a cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swallowing band. And I placed boundaries on it, and set bolts and doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, and no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop. I know we live in Del Rio. There's no oceans really around here at all. I grew up in a place, though, where I was 45 minutes from the coast. You know, you go down to the ocean, and you just kind of sit there, and you, for hours, because the ocean is one of those things, if you haven't done it, you really can just go to the ocean and sit there for hours and just watch the waves roll in. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. But, you know, if there's been a storm out there, and those waves are pretty exciting, they come in, they can land like thunderclaps. They can shoot water And you look at that and you think, what is stopping this stuff? What is stopping these waves from not just coming? And they, they, you know the reason why there's beach sand? Because the waves pound so hard that they break anything up into this fine, fine sand. You're like, why in the world doesn't this just wash over the world? Here's why. God says no. God set the boundaries. God said, here, will your proud waves stop? God is in charge. Oh, Lord, please give. Give. It comes from God. It's from the hand of God. Give us. Even when we finally get around to praying, right? Even when we finally get around to having this, you know, this actual request, it's not give me. It's give us. Even, even at this point, it's community. When I finally get around to asking, I want rain to fall on everybody. I don't just want rain on my lawn. I want rain on everybody's lawn. Our lawns need some rain. I don't know about your lawn. My lawn sure does. I don't really want to go bankrupt just making my grass green. You know, it'd be good for God to send some rain. So we pray, and it's us. Pray for us. And when we pray, we ask for this provision. It's for daily, daily provision. Every day. Lord, thank you for providing. Don't, one of the reasons we pray at meals should pray at meals, is to acknowledge 
that today God has provided. Thank you, Lord, for providing today. I'm so glad that there's food here and, and that we have the provision that you have given. Every day. You know, it's generally not good for us to have so much of something that we, we basically just don't need any more of it ever. That's usually not a good idea for us as humans, as people. We tend to not respond well to that. To have a lifetime supply of, I don't know, whatever in the world it is. We tend to lose our gratitude. We tend to lose our thankfulness. Proverbs is a really great passage. Proverbs chapter 30, where, where the guy writes this. He says, keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. That I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of God. Lord, thank you that you take care of me. I don't have to win the lottery. In fact, winning the lottery, you know, that's generally met. If you look at so many people win the lottery and they end up in in bankruptcy and misery. Generally, giving people a whole pile of money is not all that great an idea if you didn't earn it and you don't really know what to do with it. It it actually tends to destroy you. If you're not content with a little, you're not going to be content with a lot. It's not going to do any good to give you a whole pile of stuff. If you're not content with a small amount of stuff, you certainly won't be content with a lot of stuff. Give us today our daily bread. Every day, Lord. Every day. We need the bills paid today. Thank you, Lord, the bills are paid today. What's funny is we get to tomorrow, you know, we, we, get, we get to the next day and we're like, oh, Lord, even though you've paid my bills for the last 10 years, I don't know if you're going to do it today. God is going to take care of us. God is going to watch out for us. Every single day, just serve God. Don't expect God to provide for tomorrow and the day after and the day after. God doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes, like I say, it's good to have you know, a couple of loaves in the freezer. It's, it's good. But, but the fact is that God's, our relationship with God needs to be a daily relationship. Even though I have stuff in the freezer, every time I take out a loaf of bread and every time I take out a slice of bread, it's thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've provided today. Thank you. You know, the, the power could go out and the freezers, thaws. and I, You know, all kinds of things happen. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the bread today. When, the, when it came time for Israel to get out of the wilderness and, and make it over into the promised land under Joshua, the priests were to take the Ark of the Covenant and they were going to the, the Jordan River is at flood stage. So this is not a narrow little river now. This is flood. This is huge. And it's going right by in, in good fashion. And the people are all standing there and Jericho's over there and they're on the other side. And God says, all right, today I'm going to elevate you in the sight of all the people. Here's what I want you to do. You take the priests with the Ark of the Covenant and have them march out there. Here's what's interesting. This is what it says. As soon as those bearing the ark have come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark dipped in the brink of the water. You're going to have to get your feet wet. 
If you're standing here looking at this flood, Jordan, and you're carrying the ark, and you're marching along, you're thinking, okay, this ark's kind of heavy. It's made out of solid gold here, you know, and uh, we get to marching down into this river, this, you know. What do you want us to do? Get your feet wet. Okay. You know what? The Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, which is when they were there. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. As soon as the feet of the guys carrying the ark actually got wet, God just dried the place up. Sometimes you have to get your feet wet. Trust God. Peter had to get out of the boat. Give us our daily, today. We trust you today. Maybe not tomorrow. Tomorrow, Jesus said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Tomorrow's problems are tomorrow's. Don't go borrowing tomorrow's troubles. They haven't even got here yet. Just worry about today. And you know what? God provides today, every day, day after day after day. So pray that God will provide our daily bread, our daily, our daily things that we need, the essentials of life. And, you know, given different cultures, that's a different thing. Um, by the way, I don't think Peter needed a car. I don't, I, not that he couldn't have got around better with one. You know, Paul could have probably gone a, you know, a whole lot more missionary journeying if he just had a car. Uh, that wasn't part of their culture. Paul didn't even have a horse or a chariot, as far as we know. Although he did ride in boats, as you know, he needed to get to various places. Uh, that was not part of his daily sustenance. For us, I, you know, the fact is, if you're going to live and operate in this society, you I only need a car. You don't necessarily need a Ferrari, but you need a car. And there's nothing wrong with praying to God and asking for reliable transportation. You shouldn't put your wife in a car that you don't know whether she's going to get where she's going. Pray that God will give you reliable transportation. It's okay. That's, that's part of what God is daily providing. And if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, well, all these things will be added unto us. That is the principle that matters as we seek out our daily bread. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to serve you and trust you and believe that you're going to provide. I'm going to put your kingdom first. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and the gospel's sake, but that they will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. We need to just be willing to give it all up and to put God first. And to seek first the kingdom of God. So when we come and we ask God, give us this day our daily bread. We are coming to God with humility. We're coming to God and acknowledging that we have needs. I don't know about you, but if I don't eat, I get hungry. Eventually. Usually it's not until 2 or 3 in the afternoon. But nonetheless... If you don't eat, you get hungry. You know, there's nothing wrong with hunger. There's nothing wrong with having an appetite. It's okay. God gave us appetites. We are made to eat. It's, it's, it's all right. It's all right to go to God and to acknowledge that we are made to eat. The problem, of course, comes when we are 
ruled by our appetites. If our God becomes our appetite, then of course we're going to have a problem. Paul talks about that. But it's okay to be hungry, and it's okay to get something to eat and to ask God to provide food for us. This is it's a perfectly fine prayer. If you're cold, I, I know, I know. I, I grew up in the north. What can I say? You know, you kind of. If you're hot, you can pray for AC. If you're cold, you can pray for warm clothing. The virtuous woman was not afraid of winter because of the wool. We're not afraid of winter either, but for different reasons. It, God provides. It's okay to pray for God to provide and to fulfill the legitimate appetites he has given us. It's okay. Give us today our daily bread. And, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is very clear. If, if a son asks his father for a loaf of bread, does he give him a stone? Well, of course not. And if he asks for a fish, is he going to give him a serpent? <laughs> no. So if God... If, if your earthly father knows how to take good care of his children, you think God is not going to give every good thing that we need when we ask God? So if you've asked God, if you've got like this really, you know, essential prayer, you think, for this thing that you just absolutely have to have, and you've been praying about it for quite a while and God hasn't provided it, you know, you might want to just conclude that maybe you actually don't need that. It's okay to keep praying. It's okay. We'll, we'll get, not today, but there are other passages that talk about just keep knocking and eventually the guy will get out of bed and come take care of you. Um, but you also might want to wonder if maybe, maybe you don't have to keep praying for that. And when God does finally answer the prayer, aren't you glad that God gave us a sense of taste and smell? I mean, isn't that wonderful? You know, when God finally gets around to answering the prayer, he doesn't just give us some monotonous, bland ghoul, you know. Here's some mush. There you go. It's, it, it'll do it. It's nutritious. You know, it'll, you just keep eating. I, it, it doesn't taste all that great, but it doesn't matter. You don't really have any taste buds anyway, and you can't really smell anyway. So, you know, and just kind of put this mush in your mouth and keep swallowing it, and, you know, it'll, it, aren't you glad that that isn't what God did? You know, that is what God could do. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? Food. I know it's dangerous to talk about food, but we're almost done. Food. I mean, come on. Salty food and buttery food. I can't eat butter anymore, by the way. It's just a sad thing, but I love buttery food. There's all kinds of cheese and milk and, you know, pizza and roast beef and I mean, just go down the list. You know, there's hot food and there's, there's all kinds. You can have Chinese food and Mexican food and barbecue and Italian and French. And I mean, just all of these variety of spices. And it's just marvelous. There's fruits and vegetables and seeds and all the various animals that are out there. You know, it's, it's all, it's all for our good. It's all God says you can have it. You can have it all. Go ahead, enjoy it. My wife, uh, she worked for a company out in California, a paving company. And they made, they, they did okay. You know, they, they, they did all right. Southern California, they took the whole office staff out. And uh, we went to this restaurant in L.A., 
I, I can't remember the name of it. But Jay Leno, there were, when you walked in, there were these wine cabinets. Jay Leno's name was on one of them. It was that kind of a place. And we got in a private room. There were maybe 15, 18 of us in this room. On the table, five and $700 bottles of wine. And, of course, they pour it and hand me, you, you want some? Now, I'm going to seminary, and I'm like, you know, I am really curious about what in the world a $700 bottle of wine can possibly taste like. I still don't know, by the way. I have no idea. But, you know, the fact is that we have such discerning sense of taste and smell. This is a gift of God. This is a gift of God. This is one of those things that, you know, it's okay to appreciate really good food. God gives it to us. You know, a nice warm loaf of bread out of the oven. Oh, 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 oh. My son, by the way, I'll just throw this out here. My son, man, can he cook. Bread. He has cooked loaves of bread. I mean, you, I, you'd pay who knows how much for him in the grocery store if you could even find them. You know, braided and I, just all kinds of loaves of bread. And good, oh my goodness, is that good. You know, that's okay. God is good with that. Give us today our daily bread. We're going to go out here. We're going to eat lunch. I don't know where you're going to eat lunch. I don't know where you're going to go. But you know what? It's okay to enjoy lunch. Go. Go to the place that you really like. It's all right. Drink. Drink the stuff that tastes great to you. Who knows what that might be? It's okay. Savor it. Thank God for your taste buds. Thank God for your sense of smell. I've read some stuff when they go into, when they go into like the space station. You know, they get up there and they, they spend like a year on the space station. When they come back, they say to them, what do you miss? They're like the sense of smell. I said, you have no idea what it's like to, to just actually land on the earth. And when they pop open the top and fresh air comes in, you just have no idea how much you've missed earth. The grace of God. Give us this day, today, our daily bread. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you are a gracious, kind, loving God. Thank you for your bounty. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy to us. Lord, may we be people who have the gratitude to understand and to be content and to just bless your name every day. Hallowed be your name. May we be your servants. May your kingdom rule in our hearts. May we acknowledge you as our amazing Father and thank you for the great care you give us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for today's bread and your son's precious name who died on our behalf, we pray. Amen.